This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. A high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It's a new week. It is Monday. And man, is there a ton to talk about. Some storylines. We got maybe the best series of the year so far. We're going to talk about one of the biggest brawls in Anaheim that I've seen in a long time and the Boston Red Sox and first episode of the week so you know what that means. Power rankings and all new updated top 10 power rankings and my team and player of the week. That is all coming soon. We will get to that soon. But the new week is here. Storylines to catch you up on. And first and foremost, we have got to talk about the Houston Astros at the New York Yankees series. A four-game series that took place starting on Thursday. And the result? A split. Right down the middle. Two to two. Um, but let me start here with this series. Because this was, without a doubt, the best series of the year so far. And, and probably will end up being the best series of the regular season when all is said and done. It was just that good. Why? Well, because you have the New York Yankees, who have been undoubtedly the best team in baseball, going up against their hated rival, who is also really good in the Houston Astros. Now, this is where I want to start. About a month ago, I right here on this show said, the Houston Astros are still the team to beat in the American League. And that kind of threw some people for a loop. But here we are this weekend. And let me just say again that the Houston Astros are still the team to beat in the American League. Now, the reasons I gave back then a month ago were the pitching and Jordan Alvarez. The Houston Astros dominated this series in New York, in the Bronx. The Astros dominated it. Hats off to the Yankees for having clutch hits when they needed it the most. Um, but all in all, I, I think we can all agree here, the Houston Astros dominated that series from start to finish. Uh, the, the first night, they hardly had any hits. They had a hit. They had no hits after the first inning until, you know, then the Aaron Judge walk-off happened. They end up walking off the game on Thursday. Then the next game happens. My brother pitches. Justin Verlander on the mound shuts them down. 
shuts them down. The next game, the Astros throw a no-hitter in New York. They throw a no-hitter. And then on Sunday, another dominant game by the starting pitchers. Bullpen ends up blowing it. Aaron Judge hits a walk-off home run. So I, I loved every second of this series. So this is a kudos to how good the New York Yankees are. They were absolutely dominated in a series. And they end up walking away with a split. But the reason I will still say that the American League runs through the Houston Astros is because what we saw was one of the best teams this series, this season, going into New York and dominating. Absolutely dominating. Look at this. Through the four-game series, the Yankees' team batting average was 123 compared to 219 for the Astros. The Yankees had 15 hits total. The Astros had 30. Six of the Yankees' 15 hits in the series were home runs, by the way. Six of the 15. The Astros just went 52 straight outs without allowing a hit and were eight outs away from their second straight no-hitter. So the Astros threw a no-hitter on Saturday, and then on Sunday, Urquidy of the Astros took a no-hitter again deep into the game. The New York Yankees were held hitless for the longest time in Major League Baseball history since the expansion era. They tied that record. The record is 16 innings. The Yankees tied that all-time record. The 1981 Dodgers were held scoreless for, or hitless for 16 innings, and the 1973 A's for 16 innings. It happened twice to the A's, by the way. A different story for a different day, but that's pretty bad. So the Yankees are now part of that record. Uh, since 1958, the Yankees have been no-hit twice. It happened on Saturday. Since 1958, it has only happened twice. And both times were against the Houston Astros. So a big reason I sat here a month ago and I said the Houston Astros are still the team to beat is because the New York Yankees have a Houston Astros problem. They have for a while now. Are the New York Yankees the best team in the American League? Yes. Did that change over the course of the weekend? No. But have the New York Yankees figured out how to beat the Houston Astros? No, absolutely not. In fact, they were dominated in this series and were lucky to walk away with two wins. Now, what I will sit here and say right now is that the one thing, when I keep saying this, the one argument people have, you, you can't argue with facts. The facts are, over the course of the better part of a half decade, the Yankees haven't been able to beat the Houston Astros in a playoff series. The Astros are still really good and are still able to compete with the Yankees. That's why I say the Astros are the team to beat. The only argument there is for people arguing that, well, you're biased. Let me state this for one quick second. Do I have a brother on the Houston Astros that I would love to see win another World Series? Yes, absolutely. Am I biased in any way towards the Houston Astros and talk about them more and, and want them to win and talk about... No. In fact, it's the opposite. I go out of my way, because I know the narrative, to not talk about the Houston Astros when I don't have to. 
But the truth of the matter is, when I sit here and say that they are the team to beat in the American League, it has absolutely nothing to do with who my brother is. The only reason it has anything to do with who my brother is is because he's the best team, the, pe- the best pitcher on that team, and one of the best pitchers in baseball. And he is a massive reason why the Astros are so good. That's just a fact. So naturally, I have to talk about him. But I will continue to talk about the Astros as they deserve it. And I will say, I will talk about the Yankees as they deserve it. I was one of the first people, if not the first in the national media, not just Yankees, to talk about how good the New York Yankees are this year. If you don't believe me, shout out Frankie's Too Loud on Twitter. Great follow. Massive Yankees fan. He can vouch for this. One of the first, if not the first, to talk about how good and how dangerous this New York Yankees team was going to be this year. And I still stand by that. Every bit of that. The Yankees are that good. They are the best team in baseball. But they do have a Houston Astros problem. And you can't really argue that. They were dominated in this series. And it was it was an incredible series. And, and I think all Yankees fans can can breathe a sigh of relief at the fact that they ended up walking out of that series with a split. Two to two courtesy of Aaron Judge on Sunday. Judge sent everybody home happy Sunday. But this tweet from Mike Francesa says, but the Astros proved this weekend they can stand toe-to-toe with the Bombers. Something to think about. Maybe for him. I I, I think most people have realized that. Um, And it's true. Aaron Judge on Sunday does hit that walk-off massive home run. The Yankees have an Astros problem. The Astros have a problem closing out the Yankees. This is going to make for a fantastic October. We can only hope, one can only hope, that in October we can get these two in a seven-game series. That would be fantastic. Another thing here, I'm telling you, Yankees fans have got to stop booing Jose Altuve because it does not work. Jose Altuve owns the New York Yankees, owns them. He starts off Sunday with a home run. He's now on the first pitch of the, on the, first pitch of the game, by the way, 17 for 48, five doubles and six home runs. Against the New York Yankees in his last 25 games, he is hitting 333 with 11 home runs, 17 RBIs, and a 1.101 OPS, which is the best. The best against the Yankees. That's pretty incredible. Yet he comes up to the plate. He continues to get booed. He continues to have the chant that they have going on in Yankee Stadium. So they might want to consider not doing that. But what a fantastic series against the two best teams in baseball. Perhaps we'll discuss that further in my power rankings for this week. But this was a matchup of juggernauts. And... I think the Astros proved that they can certainly hang with this Yankees team, that I think they are the team to beat in the American League still because the the Yankees haven't been able to knock them off over the last couple of years. Now, when I say that, and I repopped the clip over, over the weekend of me saying that on the show, and it, of course, involves a bunch of 
you know, a bunch of stink from Yankees fans. Well, how can you say that? The Yankees are the best team in baseball this year. I can admit that. But until, and this is plain and simple and easy, until somebody comes along and knocks off the Astros in the American League and goes to the World Series over them and knocks them out of the playoffs, it's going to run through them. The playoffs run through them. The Astros dominated this series. Um, and a big part of that, and a big reason I said that they they are the team to beat in the American League a while ago, is Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez, since the start of June, has a 411 batting average, a 488 on base percentage, an 822 slugging percentage, and a 1.310 OPS. All the best in Major League Baseball. Now, he didn't start. He didn't play on Sunday. Well, he, he got a pinch hit appearance, but... He didn't start that game. But what a series. I I will finish with this. What a fantastic series. The Houston Astros are real. The New York Yankees are real. And we saw an absolute dogfight in the Bronx, in New York, that the Astros dominated. And the Yankees, to be plain and simple, were fortunate to walk away from that series with a 2-2 split. But just a just a fantastic series. That was an absolute blast to watch. The starting pitching for the Houston Astros allowed seven hits in the series. Seven hits in a four-game set to the team that was leading all of Major League Baseball in runs scored. The Astros starters in four games gave up seven hits. Think about that. The starting rotation was dominant. What a series. What a series. I hope we see it again in October. Producer Rhea is out here with me today. Uh, Producer Conrad is still on vacation. Rumor has it. I, I don't know if he's ever coming back at this point. I really don't know. But Producer Rhea is out here with me again today. And after that, first off, I'm pumped you're out here again. But after that, I, where, I don't even know where we're going next. That was, that was a rant that needed to be said, though, because it's the two best teams in baseball, honestly. Oh, yeah, for sure. I totally agree that Astros and Yankees are definitely the two top, especially in the American League. But now we're going to take it to something a little bit more chaotic. Um, today in Anaheim, the brawl today against the Angels and the Mariners. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? It was pretty wild today on the field. The brawl on Sunday in Anaheim between the Mariners and the Angels was one of the biggest brawls that I have seen in Major League Baseball in a long time. I mean, the the term brawl gets said a lot around Major League Baseball. Uh, benches clearing brawl, and then you watch and it's a bunch of guys saying, hold me, hold me back, hold me back. And maybe there's like a push. Oh, no. This was... This was a big brawl. There were massive punches thrown. This was a lot. So let's let's break this down, and, and let me just kind of give you a summary because I'm sure you all heard about this brawl. If you didn't, I'll catch you up to date on all of it. This will be the Brawl 101 from Anaheim on Sunday. This all started on Saturday. Saturday this started, and late in the game in the ninth inning, Swanson, the pitcher for the Mariners, threw up and in, upper 90s on Mike Trout. He was the he was up and he was up late in the game with the chance to bring them right back in this game. Now, actually, with a chance to tie the game, he gets thrown up and in at his head. They don't hit him. 
and then they end up intentionally walking him when the runner that was on first base goes to second base. So they end up walking him anyway right after throwing at his head. Mike Trout was not pumped about this after the game. Pretty upset about it. Here's the tweet. Mike Trout was pretty upset about a pitch that buzzed by his helmet in the ninth inning. If you can't pitch inside, don't pitch inside. And if you're going to hit me, hit me in the ribs. Don't hit me in the head. So Trout says that Saturday night, then comes Sunday. Sunday, the Angels decided on a whim on that day to start Andrew Wance. They started an opener. They had, they had an opener go for that game. In the first inning of that game, Julio Rodriguez, second batter of the game, just four or five pitches into the game. Andrew Wance, the opener, throws at Julio Rodriguez's head, throws it behind him. The pitch goes behind him, the first pitch to him. Warnings were issued, but really not a big deal was made about that. Probably in that moment, I would have really made a big deal of it if I'm the umpires. Get the control, call out both managers, say, hey, whatever. We'll get to more of that in a second. Let me continue on here with what happened next. In the second inning, after this pitcher misses Julio Rodriguez but throws behind him, he hits Jesse Winker, first pitch to Jesse Winker, drills him. Jesse Winker, not pleased. This was the first pitch of the inning. Jesse Winker, not pleased. Everybody starts getting a little riled up. Jesse Winker looks over to the Angels dugout. Next thing you know, they're having words with him. He runs over there, and then it all broke loose. Haymakers were thrown from every direction. I mean, this got bad in a hurry. Anthony Rendon comes out of the dugout. Anthony Rendon is out for the year with his injury, with his thumb injury. He has a cast on his right arm. He was throwing punches, haymakers, at Jesse Winker with his left hand. This got wild, and it got wild in a hurry, and it all stems back to the Saturday night game when Mike Trout was hit. Now, look, I, I, I don't have a, a big strong opinion here one way or the other other than a couple of things first and foremost never ever throw at people's heads in baseball there is absolutely no place for that the game of baseball has a funny way of policing itself it really does you don't need you don't need all of this to to be quite honest with you, you don't even really need the suspensions. You don't need umpires coming out and doing all this and all that. The players are going to stick up for each other. Baseball has a funny way of all leveling out. The game polices itself. Mike Trout, the star, the best player in baseball, gets thrown at his head Saturday night. Whether it was intentional or not, this is important to say and to understand. Whether this was intentional or not doesn't really matter. The optics look bad, and this is the best player in baseball. If you can't throw inside, don't do it. Because you can't risk throwing up and in a guy's head. If you can't, if you can't prove that you can own the inside part of the plate, you, you just can't do it. There's going to be repercussions, and there were the next day. It's, it's just, it's frustrating to see. I don't condone the violence by 
any means. I, I don't. But the game polices itself. The next day, they stick up for their teammate, Mike Trout. They try and hit Julio Rodriguez. They start an opener, for God's sakes. They, they, this was premeditated. We knew this was going to happen. They miss Julio Rodriguez. They hit Jesse Winker. Stay away from people's heads. Like I said, the game polices itself, but we can't be throwing up around people's heads. You can police yourself by hitting people in the ribs, by hitting people in the back. I promise you, I've been hit in professional baseball in the ribs by 101 miles an hour. I remember it like it was yesterday because not only did I get hit in the ribs with 101, my left shoulder shoulder that I have a torn labrum, my labrum popped out all in the same time. Got hit in the ribs with 101, my, my shoulder popped out, I walked down to first base, it took me an hour to get there. It was a nightmare. But it hurts, everything you need to do, it can happen in that moment. I wasn't the one that caused anything. I was just the one that had to bear the brunt of, of getting hit. It happens. Hit him in the ribs. Don't throw up around a head where, where you can give somebody a concussion, where, where you could kill somebody. If it sneaks in the perfect part of that helmet, right, you know, right where the brim and the side flap meet, if it sneaks in right there, it could hit somebody in the temple. And at 90, 100 miles an hour, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it could kill somebody. Stay away from people's heads. That stuff, there's no business for it in the game of baseball. The game polices itself. That's what we saw on Sunday between the Angels and the Mariners. Um, but but stay away from heads. But that was it, it really was a bad, bad brawl. I haven't seen one like that in a long time. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, the, the closer for the Angels at one point, after all was seemingly settling down, grabbed the, the carton, the, the, the tray, of seeds in the dugout, sprints out, and throws the entire tray of seeds at their dugout. It didn't even make it to the third baseline, but he just threw it in their direction. It was hysterical. Jesse Winker walking off the field decided to flip the old double bird to the crowd. I mean, just a remarkable, ridiculous brawl that happened on Sunday in Anaheim. Man, this actually all did kind of... I'll end with this because it's not the most... It's not the brightest, happiest story in the world. But it did have a happy ending. Jesse Winker, who got thrown out of the game, there was a little girl sitting in the stands that was bawling in tears because she wanted to see Jesse Winker play baseball. And in the second, Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez was said. She wanted to see them play baseball. Her mom tweeted out, right after this happened, that of course this happened because they're Reds fans. They went to a Reds game to watch him play. He was actually ejected from that game as well. So she'd been to two games and he's gotten ejected from both. The Mariners end up catching wind of this. Jesse Winker sent them up a little uh, a little thing. Uh, he signed something, put a little note to go home with. So not, not all was lost for that little girl. But Producer Ray, I'm not sure if you saw that brawl, but uh, it, it was wild. It was madness. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, and there were eight suspensions following the brawl. Like, what do you think the locker room was like after the game? You're right. There, there were eight suspensions handed down from this. The ejections included Angels manager Phil Nevin, the pitcher Andrew Wance, the closer Rysel Iglesias that threw the, the tray of seeds across the field, Ryan Tapera, 
And on the Mariners' side, Scott Service, the manager, Jesse Winker, who got hit and charged over to the other dugout, J.P. Crawford, and Julio Rodriguez. That's a lot of suspensions. There's a lot going on here. Um, I don't know how Anthony Rendon, well, I don't even know. Well, I don't even know if he could get ejected. I mean, he can. He's not he's not playing for the rest of the year, but I'm assuming he could get ejected and throw and and thrown out of the game. I mean, you can throw fans out of the game. I'm sure you could throw Anthony Rendon out, but something hefty has to be coming down for Anthony Rendon. I can't imagine what Major League Baseball is going to be doing there cuz like I said, he is out for the year. He is not on the roster. He is he's not playing in games. He comes out of the dugout, throws a punch left-handed, which by the way is the second best thing he had done all year left-handed because the home run that he hit from the left side of the plate was by far the coolest. So again, not condoning violence, but for him to come out of the dugout and throw a left-handed punch, are you kidding me? Something serious is coming down for her, for him. What do you do? Suspend him at the beginning of next year? Do you just find him a hefty charge this year? Uh, I don't know, but scary scene there. Scary scene, a, a, a big, a big brawl, a lot of suspensions come in, a lot of ejections happen. So that, that brawl on Sunday was a big deal, but had to, had to touch on that. Uh, let's move on. We have one more storyline for you. I believe we're going to the Boston Red Sox. That's who I want to talk about. That's what needs to be talked about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Because, you know, it's been a while since I've talked about the Boston Red Sox on this show. And to be quite honest with you, they just weren't very good to start the year. They weren't really good at all. They were 10 and 19 on May 8th. 10 and 19. Nine games below 500. Now here we are. Since that time, they are 32 and 12. 32 and 12, and are now 42 and 31, 11 games over 500. After being nine games below 500, the Red Sox have the third best record in the American League behind the Yankees and the Astros. That is shocking to hear because you, we all knew the start they got off to. So to now hear that they're the third best record in the American League but behind the Astros and the Yankees? What a turnaround it's been for them. In their first 29 games of the year, they scored 3.3 runs per game. In their last 44 games, they've scored 5.8 runs per game. They now find themselves at the top spot in the AL wildcard race. There's now three spots. They have the top one. They've been getting solid production from their pitching. Obviously, you hear that they're scoring two more runs per game since that bad start, but the pitching at, that you don't really expect to be a bright spot for them has been pretty good. Michael Waka, 6-1 with a 2.34 ERA in 12 starts. In June, he has a 2.19. Nick Pavetta, 8-5 with a 3.25 ERA. Rich Hill has a 4.09 ERA. 
Not bad. The pitching staff has been adequate. And this was the recipe for success with the Red Sox. You got to hit at the elite level that they are capable of, and you have to just be adequate on the mound. Well, lately, they've been adequate, if not more than adequate, on the mound. And their offense has been fantastic. Bogarts, 330 batting average, 6 homers, 31 RBIs. Devers, 334, 17 home runs, 45 RBIs. J.D. Martinez, 329, 8 home runs, 32 RBIs. The Red Sox have turned it around. And they've turned it around quietly, silently. Everyone wants to talk about, as they should, the New York Yankees in the AL East. And you look around and, and you just think, okay, the second place team is double-digit games behind them. So nobody must be doing very... No, the Yankees are on a historic pace. Historic. So the second place team in that division, which is now the Boston Red Sox, might I add, they've jumped the Toronto Blue Jays, are still the third best team in baseball. That's how good the Yankees have been. But credit where credit is due. The Red Sox have turned this around, and it has been because their pitching has been more than adequate, and the offense that is elite and has to be elite has been elite. It has been a lot of fun to watch the Red Sox play baseball, to be honest with you. And I had to give them the love that they deserve because hadn't talked about them in a little while. It is time. And here on this show, I will talk about anybody and everybody that deserves credit. Shoot, I was just talking about the Pirates recently and O'Neill Cruz and how fun and exciting they are to watch. The Red Sox deserve a lot of credit. They are now the third best team record-wise in the American League, and that says a lot about just how good they have been playing lately. Since that date, since March 8th, March 9th is when they turned it on. They have been one of the best teams in baseball since that time. So the Red Sox have been good. That does it. There are a lot of storylines to catch you up on around the league. Astros, Yankees, fantastic, fantastic series. Hopefully an ALCS preview. We would all be so lucky. The massive brawl in Anaheim. And of course, what we just talked about, the Red Sox. But you know what? Where are the Red Sox? Because they haven't been on my power rankings this year. They've been missing for a long time. So this is the perfect segue. It is the Monday show. It is power rankings time. And do the Boston Red Sox find their way in? Well, let's check out on this week's top 10 Major League Baseball power rankings. Let's start at number 10, the St. Louis Cardinals. Holding on by a thread here. They are the last team in, but they are 41 and 34. And look, there's a lot of reasons I have them here. But a big key point for them, Jack Flaherty, their ace, when he's healthy, when he's right, he just hasn't looked healthy and right. So if they want to win the NL Central against the Milwaukee Brewers, Jack Flaherty's going to have to get right or they're going to have to make a move. Hopefully he does because Flaherty, when he is right, is one of the best one of the best pitchers in baseball. Tommy Edmond, by the way, shout out him, has the best war in all of baseball, 4.4. Tommy Edmond, top war in all of baseball. Bet you didn't know that. Moving on. To number nine on these power rankings this week, I have the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers have struck out the most batters in all of baseball this year. And this is why the Brewers are good. They're pitching. They're starting pitching. Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta 
haven't even been pitching for a while. Peralta's out for a while. Woodruff hopefully back soon. Corbin Burns, he's been lights out. The Brewers have struck out 694 batters this year. That is second in Major League Baseball. Corbin Burns leads all of baseball with 119 of those already. That's why the Brewers are here. That's why the Brewers are slightly above the Cardinals because their pitching is undoubtedly better, and I think they'll be able to hold them off in the NL Central. We'll see. It'll be a dogfight right there. Moving on to number eight in this week's top 10 power rankings, I have the Toronto Blue Jays. Now to start this week in third place in the AL East. Still holding on to a wild card spot. A little early to be talking about wild card, but if the season ended right now, They'd be in the playoffs there, 40 and 32. Bright spot for them, Alejandro Kirk. I hope he makes the all-star game, by the way. Unsung hero for them, Alejandro Kirk. Moving on to number seven, the team that just jumped the Toronto Blue Jays in the power rankings, the Boston Red Sox. 42 and 31 now. May 9th, they were nine games below 500. Here we are. A month and a half later, they are 11 games above 500. 11 games over. This might be a surprise to hear, but the Boston Red Sox have the third best record in the American League behind just the Yankees and the Astros. The Red Sox are the real deal, and for the first time in a while, they are back in my top 10 power rankings. Moving on. To number six this week, the Atlanta Braves. I, I really do. I, I really like this Braves team. They've also had some young, some unsung heroes step up and be really good. Michael Harris in the outfield. The, the Braves have Michael Harris batting in the nine hole. I, I really like how deep this lineup has been. Uh, the Braves, ever since they went on that 14-game win streak, have been really, really good. And they are still in my top 10 power rankings. And slowly... Climbing up those power rankings just a little bit. Moving on to number five, the San Diego Padres. The Padres avoided a disaster. I don't know how. Manny Machado is okay. I mean, it could have been way worse. It looked like the other day Manny Machado broke his ankle running through first base. He has been he has been the offense so far this year for the Padres. But thank God. Thank God he is going to be okay. He's not going to miss a ton of time. He should be back at some point this week. He will be huge for that offense as he has been all year, but that pitching staff is what makes them here at number five. I really like the Padres. Moving on to number four, the leader in the NL East, the New York Mets. 47 and 27 so far. They are leading the NL East. Look, they're really good. They're if not the best team in the National League, they're right up there close to it. They have been good all year without DeGrom and Scherzer. I don't know how many times I can say it, but I'll keep saying it. The fact that they are as good as they are without those two, Scherzer and DeGrom, is remarkable. But a little update for you. Max Scherzer is on his rehab stint right now, made one start the other day, felt good, is going to make one more rehab start, and if all goes to plan, Max Scherzer will be back on a major league mound soon for the New York Mets. Moving on to number three this week, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers played a good series, really good series against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, 
That could be a potential playoff matchup, by the way. Braves, Dodgers, could we see it again? I don't know. Maybe we saw the reunion of Freddie Freeman going back to Atlanta. We saw a bunch of good baseball. The Dodgers are good. Health is a concern for me. Health is a concern. And and I keep saying this, and I also keep saying, but the Dodgers are good enough to persevere and to push through, and that's just how good their roster is. Let's take a step back now and look at their roster. They have some massive concerns. Walker Bueller, not a good situation. Will we see him again this year? Hopefully. Uh, If all goes well, yes. But when you start talking shoulder injury and arm injuries for a pitcher and the second he comes out of the game, it's said, oh, he's going to miss a substantial amount of time. That's not a good thing. Mookie Betts and his rib, hopefully, and and apparently that's not a super long-term thing, but he's missing time. Uh, Daniel Hudson, torn ACL, out for the year. He was huge for that bullpen. A bullpen that was already not the biggest bright spot for them. Uh, Kenley Jansen gone this year. You have Craig Kimbrell that comes in. There's just, uh, I, I know I have them here at number three, but the more I start thinking about it, yes, they should be here. But big concerns. They lose outfield depth when A.J. Pollock goes to the White Sox. They get Craig Kimbrell in return. He becomes their closer. That hasn't been good. Daniel Hudson goes down. He's been their bright spot in the bullpen. He's out for the year. Some concerns there. Could they be slipping down the power rankings soon? Yes, but they are talented enough to just hit their way through it. So we'll see. But right now they're here at number three. Moving on to number two, back up here at the tippity top. In the top two, the Houston Astros. 45-27, and 27, we saw a juggernaut fight in New York over the weekend. The Astros and the Yankees, in my opinion, and this might be spoiling who number one is, I don't care. The Astros and the Yankees are the two best teams in baseball. And on this weekend, this past weekend in New York, we we saw why. The Astros dominated that series against the Yankees. The best team in baseball. The Astros dominated it. The Yankees were fortunate to come to, to come away with two wins in that series and split it. But the Astros are real. Their pitching is fantastic. Their hitting is so good and so clutch. Jordan Alvarez might be the best hitter in baseball. It is remarkable how good the Houston Astros are. And they could be in a dogfight in October with the team that I have number one again. In my power rankings, it has been a long time running now, the New York Yankees. They are 53-20. and 20. They are the best team in baseball. Aaron Judge is going to get paid a lot of money. Their two wins in the series against the Astros came courtesy of Aaron Judge walk-offs. They had one on Thursday, and he had one on Sunday. Walk-off homer on Sunday. Aaron Judge bet on himself, and he is he's winning. His team is winning. He is winning, and his pockets are going to be winning very, very soon. But the New York Yankees, again, round out my top 10 Major League Baseball power rankings for this week. But let's move on to a segment that I absolutely love, and we've been doing for a while now, but it is Monday, which you know what that means. It is time for my Team of the Week. Team of the Week is where I go around and pick the best player that I think from each position throughout the week, and highlight whoever it may be. I like doing it because sometimes it gives me a chance to highlight players that I typically wouldn't. Now let's start at the catcher position, and this week, Will Smith. 
from the Los Angeles Dodgers. 423 on the week, three homers, six RBIs. I think this is Will Smith's first time on my team of the week this year, but he is one of the better catchers in the game of baseball, and we're seeing him get hot. 423 at the plate on the week. Let's move on over to first base. Another Los Angeles Dodgers, Freddie Freeman. One, we had to return back to Atlanta this week. It was very emotional. Two, he hit 417 on the week. Three homers, 11 RBIs. Truly, that is Freddie Freeman. That is the former MVP of the league. And, and now we're seeing the power come along with it. He's at first base. Moving on over to second base. At second base on this week's team of the week, Isak Paredes. 471, five homers, eight RBIs. He had a three-home run game for the Rays. That is a week, my friends. 471, five homers, eight RBIs. Yeah, easily on this list. Moving on over to third base. At third base on this week's Team of the Week, I have Alex Bregman, who hasn't been having the year that he wants to this point. But this week, 400, two homers, five RBIs, kicked things off in the Bronx for the Astros in a in grand fashion, three-run homer there. He's heating up. Alex Bregman, we all know how good he can be. He is just another dimension to that really good Astros team that if he heats up, they become even better, which, which is going to be a scary sight. Let's move on over to shortstop. At shortstop, I have Javi Baez, Javi Baseball, he's got the MLB logo tattooed on his neck. And he had been cold as ice for a while. But guess what? 478 on the week, three homers, seven RBIs, including a grand slam that he hushed somebody in the stands. I don't know what was said to him. Somebody said something as he walked up to the plate, and then he hit a grand slam. Didn't even watch it. Legitimately didn't even watch it. Flipped his bat. Shushed the fan. It was pretty sick. Javi Baez, what a great week. Let's move on to the outfield. This isn't left field, center field, right field. This is just three of the best outfielders. Three, the best outfielders of the week. We'll start with the first one, and we will start with Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. Luis Robert, by the way, has been dubbed a six-tool player by one, Tony Larusa, and two, our very own here at Fox, Frank Thomas. He had 375 on the week with a homer and eight RBIs. This guy is a freak. He's a freak talent. He has every tool you could ever imagine. He has so much power, so much speed, great defense, great arm. Luis Robert is so good at the game of baseball, and he is on this list for the first time, I believe. Luis Robert's the first one in the outfield. Next up, my second outfielder on this week's team of the week, Jordan Alvarez, 316, four home runs, seven RBIs, a very good chance to be on my team of the month when that comes time because he's leading basically every offensive category in the month of June. Just continued it this week with four home runs on the week, seven RBIs, unbelievable. He's easily on this list. My last outfielder on Team of the Week, Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker heating up. Is he heating up just in time for a suspension? Probably <laughs> because of that brawl on Sunday. But before that, 
heading into heading into the end of the week, 450, two homers, six RBIs. I, f- I, I swear Jesse Winker could have 20 home runs this year if he was playing all of his games in Cincinnati where he came from, but he's not. That's the nature of the beast. He didn't have the power. So many warning track flyouts, but this week we saw the power come, two homers, six RBIs, 450 on the week. He rounds out my outfield. Moving to the designated hitter, who else? Shohei Otani. What a week offensively. 350 at the plate, three home runs, 10 RBIs, including an eight RBI game, which was a career high. He is my designated hitter. My starting pitcher on the mound, Shohei Otani. This is the first week that this has happened. Shohei Otani on Team of the Week at DH and Shohei Otani on the mound. A career-high eight RBIs offensively and the very next night, a career-high 13 strikeouts. He went 1-0 on the mound on the week, eight innings pitched, 13 strikeouts, two hits, and zero earned runs. Hardly anybody even reached base. He is my starter, and he is my DH, and he is a legend. Let's move on to my last player on Team of the Week. It's my closer, Jorge Lopez of the Baltimore Orioles. Honestly, shout out to the Baltimore Orioles. They've just been they've been grinding this year. They've been playing good baseball. They're they have a better record than the Angels and the Mariners. Who had that coming? Nobody. A lot of people were picking the Angels and the Mariners to win the American League West. Well, guess what? The Baltimore Orioles have a better record than both of them. Jorge Lopez has not gotten the respect he deserves as a closer this year. It's because he's on the Orioles. They don't win a ton of baseball games. But this week, three saves, not a single earned run, only one hit in those three saves and two strikeouts. Shout out Jorge Lopez. Shout out the Orioles for playing decent baseball this year. But he rounds out my team of the week, which leads to my last thing here, my player of the week. The Flippin' Bats player of the week is Shohei Otani. I mean, where do I begin? You all know I could go on for for days about this. Um, I had an emergency Shohei Otani segment at the end of last week because of what he did. But just one of the greatest weeks we've seen, but the greatest back-to-back nights, back-to-back games in the history of Major League Baseball. In history, I believe that wholeheartedly. Three home runs, 10 RBIs, eight innings pitched, 13 strikeouts. What a week. Shohei Otani is my player of the week, and he put together two career records, one being strikeouts, one being eight RBIs in a game, and they happened in back-to-back nights. Are you kidding me? Shohei Otani is this week's Flippin' Bats Player of the Week. Now, to round up, to round out this episode, I always like to do a extra inning segment, which you all know it's something that it's really anything <laughs> at this point. But a lot of times it's a feel-good moment. And this week, before I wrap up, I want to talk about Freddie Freeman's return home to Atlanta. Um, it was emotional. It was an emotional day for him. 
It was an emotional thing for me. It all started before he even took the field. He had a press conference in which he could barely get through it. The tears were a-flowing. Um, it is clear and it is obvious how much Atlanta and the Atlanta Braves mean to Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, it's easy in baseball to forget the human element to all of this, to to forget the emotions, but Freddie Freeman made it easy to remember that. There is a human element to this, and every single game of Freddie Freeman's career in the minor leagues and the major leagues to this point have been played in an Atlanta Braves uniform, and at least at least their organization. This year, he ends up with the Dodgers. And, and I don't want to say he didn't want to because, look, he ended up signing there. He got a great deal. He's happy to be there. But he wanted to be an Atlanta Brave for life, and he made that clear. To see him go back and the emotions, the, the standing ovation from the crowd, the tears in Freddie Freeman's eyes, just don't forget the human element to all of this. Yes, we talk about them like they are players on a field of a game we watch on TV, of which they are. But it is easy to forget the emotions that can be behind all of it. So a really cool story. Freddie goes back to Atlanta for the first time, uh, and he brought tears to pretty much everybody's eyes that saw the clip. It was, it, it was an emotional few days. But that does it for this Monday episode of Flippin' Bats. What a blast this has been. A lot to catch you up on. Uh, yes, one of the best series of the year, The Brawl. Oh, man, we had a lot. Updated Power Rankings, Team of the Week. Thank you all for listening. This one has been a lot of fun. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, if you're not yet, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, just hit that subscribe or follow button. We're also on all social medias. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Flippin' Bats Pod. We're also on YouTube. You can listen, you can watch every episode on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod on YouTube as well. Thank you all for listening. I will see you tomorrow for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.